Hi, this is Better Red Than Dead. It's a literature podcast from a left perspective. I am Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. And today we are going to be talking about The Awakening, which is Kate Chopin's 1899 novel or novella about a tall lady who figures out that she has feelings, especially horniness. So uh, why why do we want to read The Awakening? Well, um, I'll be honest with both of you. I did not want to read The Awakening because I thought I thought there would be the super depressing novel about a sad lady who drowns in the ocean. But in fact, it is a novel about a woman fuckboy who <laughs> fuckboys her way all around uh, what seems to be France for some reason, but actually isn't. Um, no, it's Louisiana. Yeah. It's Louisiana. Uh, little France. So, yeah, I was, like, really not into reading this. I was I was nervous about it because I thought it was going to be another, like, sad, sad pod episode. But turns out that um, this is a great fucking book because um, she's, she's a dipshit. Everyone in the whole thing's a dipshit. It's delightful. And also, I knew – so – so my attitude changed when I opened the book and saw that on the first page was a fucking parrot. I was like, <laughs> hell yeah. Here. I was like, hell yeah. I'm after it because um, people may not know this, but my dad was a huge parrot head or Jimmy Buffett fan. Um, oh. So I felt right at home immediately. Uh, I can, for his birthday one year, I learned to play Margaritaville on the acoustic guitar. <laughs> wow um, easily easily the coolest thing i've ever done um so i just yeah so i just liked it immediately thought it was good and um i i maintain that opinion everything that i have said i stick by i mean that seems as good a reason as any to love this book um yeah. but i love the shit out of it for much more like sincere reasons which is that i in general am interested in like woman malaise and also why being like a bourgeois mother is so shitty. Um, I really like that it's not clear what is causing her to finally feel feelings and get badly crushed out on people in the way that you would when you were like 14. Um, yes. There's a lot of like directionless desire, which is like a very bourgeois 19th century affect. Um, it characterizes a lot of women's writing at this moment. Uh, but the stakes are really weird. Like it's not, uh, it's not the kind of feminine struggle of like the house of mirth, uh, where she'll basically starve if she doesn't find a husband and it's not the yellow wallpaper where the woman is locked in a room and she goes crazy. Um, it's a much more like atmospheric sense of feeling that characterizes her unhappiness. And I love atmospheres. Um, <laughs> also I just have to note that like, this is written two years apart from Dracula, which is full bonkers. And it's wild. It's totally wild. And I don't know if that for me is like, oh, US literature and English literature are so different, or it's like the 19th century and the 20th century transition is bonkers. It's like, or of course it could just be like two different books are bonkers, but uh they just feel like they were written in, in two fully different centuries to me. 
Yeah, right. And The Awakening feels like a novel that's trying to do smart things, whereas Dracula definitely <laughs> did, yeah. uh, is not that. Uh, although it's amazing, that was that was a that was a great that was a great show. Um, incidentally, I have been to a Jimmy Buffett concert on Long Island, oh and God. I was I was the designated driver. It was a dark time, my friends. Oh that no, is horrible. <laughs> that is terrible. I, I am realizing how much. Um, Delaware has shaped you and um <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah I appreciate it <laughs> uh yeah mid, mid Atlantic uh mid Atlantic for life right but uh yeah f- fist bump to th- fist bump to that I just there's <laughs> so many variables there that I can't even imagine no no you got you, you got those big square states you know you know like we, yeah. <laughs> we've got like like 50 <laughs> different borders inside of like 12 I just miles. mean like yeah. Long Island plus Jimmy Buffett is just oh, oh, oh that oh. aspect I can yeah. explain it actually. So <laughs> a butterfly flaps its wings in South America and um, a parrot squawks in the keys and the echoes of it move Tristan to um, be wasting away in Margaritaville looking for his lost shaker assault. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, fin- fins to the left, fins to the right. Uh- <laughs> oh, what a you cut? Not to drink. Because if I, I wonder if I were too drunk well, that I would punch so, people. So it was it was like for about thirty minutes being the sober one in this parking lot of like middle aged parrot heads was like wow this is a good time. But then at some point that flipped into like this is hell. I've I'm in hell. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean you know who like tune, tune in for a discussion of Kate Chopin and you get Jimmy Buffett. This is why I love <laughs> this is why I love you guys and this is why I love this show. Um, but yeah, uh, it's the best. Um, but yeah, so the uh, back to the awakening. Uh, th- this is what <laughs> must is, we? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Of course, I'm just course. kidding. Um, yeah, no. I mean, so this is one of those really famous novels that I'd never read. Um, partly because I think just late uh, 19th century American lit uh, is kind of a gap in in, in my reading. Um, which is entirely my fault. Um, and all I really knew about it was like, I had a vague sense of the ending, which is pretty famous. Um, and that it was an important book for a lot of great feminist critics, um, that have a lot of really smart things to say about it. Um, and also that it was about marital infidelity, which there is not nearly enough of in the novels that I study from the 18th century. Um, you know, there's that old line. Maybe you guys know who said this. I always forget. It's definitely not my line, but I think there's a lot of truth to it. Um, that the English novel, uh, ends with a marriage and the French novel begins with one or it begins with an affair or with a divorce uh, talking about like 18th and 19th century literature um, and, and I think there's there's actually truth to that um, so one, one thing I do wonder is that maybe like the French colonial uh, tradition is in some way at, at work here with this novel being about Louisiana um, in addition to the fact that you know we're right up against modernism and uh, and all that um, but I really loved it I do think that uh, Chopin has a compelling and challenging um, and a lot of, frankly, depressing things to say about gender. Um, but I'm also really interested in how the novel treats uh, class and race. Um, you know, I, I was looking through some essays about The Awakening as I was trying to collect my thoughts on it um, that argued, uh, you know, compellingly that this novel isn't just about femininity, but quite specifically bourgeois white femininity, um, and that we really need to pay attention to Edna's relationships with um, in relation to the numerous brown and black uh, poor and working class women that uh, you find throughout the narrative. So I'm, I'll, I'll be really curious to hear uh, your guys' thoughts on all that stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, this is like a, uh, it's, it would be nothing if it weren't like this novel could not ever exist without being like bourgeois. 
Yeah. No, I, I exactly. That's I mean, like that, inherent to the thing. Yeah. It is a lot of candy, a lot of bougie ass shit. Yeah. Um, this novel, like the thing, and we'll get into it more, but like the race part of it is because uh, it starts being mentioned, there start to be like little snippets, little sprinklings of racial awareness, let's say, mm-hmm. from the beginning. And what it sort of reminded me of was like someone who is racist trying to see if you're racist. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, like if yeah, you yeah, don't like yeah. nip it in the bud, they start yeah. like saying, you know, like, so that's how that's that's sort of well, where I thought it was. Well, and I also because there are like I did notice early on that there are, you know, there are all these like the, the quadroon nurse. Uh, like I, I don't yeah. think that that woman's given a name, but it's very specific, you know, explicit that, this, you know, this, this is a servant who is not white. Um, and like for the, the first like several pages, I was kind of just thinking like, oh, so the, the novel is sort of as kind of like blind to these characters who are just part of the land, the, you know, the the social landscape as the, the as as Edna, the, the protagonist. But the more I read, it's like, no, actually, like there is a like the novel is much more aware of the presence of these women than Edna is, uh, or it just, or it just mm-hmm. ha- is thinking different things about what her, their relationship to the protagonist um, looks like rather than how the main character is kind of uh, interpreting that at a sort of like, you know, uh, uh, like kind of frontal cortex sort of way. And she like um, Chopin had written about uh miscegenation before like she's really interested in this very specific form of like louisiana new orleans racial caste system Mm -hmm. that is not that it's not that it's like immobile from that uh from that part of the country it is but it's not like it's not nearly so recognizable to our contemporary racial terminology right right it's really weirdly specific yeah, no, and, and I did it did it like that. This was about New Orleans culture, and you know, and, and more broadly Southern Louisiana culture, and not just like Southern culture. That's like super apparent to me, like from the first page, as as you guys said. It's also not like I think we're kind of used to late nineteenth century like New England feminist struggle literature. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. no, exactly, right, and right, and 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 that was another thing that um, was a reason I wanted to read that, like that thinking of that in like you know the 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 post Civil War you know beginnings of Jim Crow South, like that that's just it, it's just not like um, literature that I've really looked at before or like um, a set of intersections that I've I've kind of um, that it just haven't been that visible to me in 19th century literature before I read this. It's also like Katie, you sort of said this, but it's also very like French. Yes, it's hella fucking French. Yes. So today we're going to talk about race, gender, class entanglements in this book. We are going to talk about the very last scene. We're going to talk about the absence of sex in the face of full bore horniness. Um, we're going to talk about atmospheres and we're going to talk about whether we like any of these people after all. Um, so I will give the context of this because I, I mean, as this is like, as always, I feel like giving the context for anything is so short, but um, so uh, so this is another book by a magazine writer. We talked about this with Capote, but um, her short fiction was mostly published after her husband died and left her $42,000 in debt, which is an enormous amount of money. Um, and so she was like, her 
her doctor, her um, obstetrician, said that she should write stories. And so she said, okay, that sounds like a way to make money. But it turned out it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, Good. Who knew? Good for her. And um, also, like, as a sort of aside, this is a huge moment for lesser-known magazine fiction, especially by women. And both black and white women wrote an enormous amount of magazine fiction at this moment that has been recently um, republished by places like Oxford University Press did the Schomburg Library collections of magazine writing by black women from the end of the 19th century. People like Frances Harper, Anna Julia Cooper, Pauline Hopkins, um, and then white women as well, like Charlotte Perkins Gilman and Edith Wharton. It's an extremely weird moment in U.S. literary history in that it straddles a moment both that presages modernism and that is still very 19th century in a lot of ways. Um, This is also, as we were saying, sort of like a highly French-influenced novella. People talk a lot about how much Chopin loved Maupassant. Um, Guy de Maupassant, of course, is Flaubert's protege, and I think you can see a ton of Flaubert here. Uh, At least I can as a sort of like fan geek, like a a big lover of Flaubert. Um, Is that embarrassing these days? I don't even know if it's like a thing. Listen, Megan, I wish that you think it's a little bit insensitive of you to bring up Flaubert when you know that I'm on the ketogenic diet, can't have carbohydrates, <laughs> and the entire entirety of Flaubert's writing is about a fucking cookie. So that's and I <clears throat> so no I, Proust, yeah. And oh, I just fuck, I mix them up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I relate this to the to the like your brain gets um gets incapacitated by horniness but my brain just got incapacitated by horniness for a tiny little carbohydrate or cookie i yeah i mean you know who hasn't been there right but like (laughs) that your um, brain got like completely mushy for cookies that's so (laughs) sad though because it's like because madeline's are so they're not good it's like it's like like a chess man uh, it's like wanting to eat a chest man. They're very pillowy. I mean, I am like willing to fight to the death over the horror that is macarons. <laughs> oh, that's different. <laughs> and how much they fully suck. But I love that yeah, lens. Like they can oh, no, I think they're delicious. They're just like bread. They're good bread. Yeah. They're not a cookie. Uh, macarons piss me off because they all they're all they're all brightly colored. And they'll make them like look like a little hamburger or something. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, oh, this is looking. great. And then you and then you you bite into it and you're like, what what have I done? Also, the French are capable of so much better at dessert-wise. Yeah, oh, totally. totally. Yeah. Like, they really are capable of a lot. I think that's true. Um, okay, so I guess enough about Flaubert um, <laughs> <laughs> for now. Uh, okay, so we see Maupassant, we see Flaubert, um, and then – but I also would say that, like, we can see a lot of Henry James here, which is a very different sort of literary – style and his protege edith wharton who's writing at the same moment and um the emergence of what lead us towards some very modernisty stylings um william james's brother sorry henry james's brother william james is the person who invents the term free and direct discourse Mm. and that is something you gotta know as 20th century folk um also william james is the the best and my king and you should do some <laughs> reading cool. about yeah he's the fucking best i love william james um, he likes spooky shit he was into <laughs> some very spooky shit uh he's yeah he's great um and then so kate chopin 
is also like, so she's leaning forward. She's also sort of like very Frenchy. Um, and she's also a Southern writer in a way that's very weird in the sense that this is a very sort of like New Orleans specific book. Her work in general is, and it talks about racial phyla that are more familiar to that place than are familiar to us. So like the term mulatta, uh, the term quadroon that she uses that are, are quite like Southern, um, their caste class and race categories. Mm-hmm. And, and they're really important to certain places in the U S and they have very specific language. Um, so it puts her in a weird position. She doesn't, she doesn't feel or sound like Southern writers that are a little bit later. Carson McCullers, um, Tennessee Williams, Truman Capote, um, Flannery O'Connor. She just doesn't feel like that at all. And she, nor does she feel anything like the earlier Southern writers or even contemporaneous writers like Twain, who are the sort of like famous writers of that moment who are Southerners. So we'll talk about that more. Um, I think we also have to note that the awakening is another book that's reprinted by the feminist press in the 1970s after having been long out of print and it's reissued into the canon in that way. Another book. So other books that are in that, in that category are things like Paula Marshall's Brown girl, Brownstones, um, the, the book by Sor Juana Inez de la Cruz is republished by, they just reclaim a ton of literature by women from the U S but also women from Africa and India and South America. Um, which is, I think a really sort of like, we don't have to have a long Canon discussion, but I think it's interesting nonetheless. I mean, and there is, there is critique. Oh man. I, I, this, I don't know quite how to think this through, but like, it's not polite to say to your fellow bourgeois white women, like, look how fucking boring and stupid your life is. <laughs> yeah, like, also, right. like, it's not very good manners. I think that's true, like, uh, now, ever, to be like, being a mom is stupid. Right. Right. And it's also like, so it's not just like this book is saying, um, it's saying that it's it's not just saying like it's stupid for me and I think it's stupid. It's saying like it's stupid for you too and it's dumb that anyone yes. wants to do it. Yes. It's a dumbass thing that to yeah. to want to do. If you're happy doing it, yes. you're dumb for that. Yeah. Like there's no And the more kids you have, for, the, yeah. the softer brained you get. No, I right. yeah, it, it, right. And it's like, yeah, I mean, so there are aspects of this that I think, you know, 21st century readers would be like less like put off by like the, you know, the, the, the infidelity thing or, or just that like, right. yeah, like, you know, like female sexuality. That's like, a, that's, a, that's a thing that exists. Um, but like the stuff that she says about motherhood, I still feel like there's a lot of readers be like, oh, I can't believe she said that she wouldn't like die for her children or, you know, like, so. That also was like this thing where, um, like, cause, cause, like, what the? F- cause she's confusing the shit out of her poor friend. Yeah, oh, yeah that's scene. true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's yeah. half of it, you know, which is like just so nuts out of me. Cause she's like, okay, well, like, yeah, would I die for my kids? Sure, no. but like, would yeah. I give up myself? Would I give up myself? It's different. It's different. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying like I'm not saying it's not real. I'm just saying like. It's not, you know, like, it's just not, it's like people who say like, there's, I wasn't, I wasn't saying reals and we usually use it. I was saying like Lacanian real. And right. so like oh God, redefining yeah. your term, you know, like just <laughs> redefining your terms in some obnoxious way. Right. Uh, just like, oh no, I'm going to use it in my super, super, super specialized way, but I'm not going to tell you in advance. I'm just going to like do yeah. my thing. Right. 
But no, it, it, you're right, Tristan. It's like, it does piss people off every time. There's like this moment in the late 40s, 40s, 50s, 60s, where there's a lot of women's literature where, where people are like, don't like their kids. And it fucks people up to read that there yeah. are women who don't like their kids. Yeah. No, I mean, right. And like, even today, like, I mean, it's it like, so, oh, yeah. like, say that, like, expressing that sentiment is the kind of thing that you'll get, you'll get gasps. You'll get like Victorian style gas. Like, I can't believe, you know, like, so. Yeah, fully. You, anyway, it's yeah. like not a thing you're allowed to express. And she definitely, I mean, the funny thing, though, is like she completely goes back and forth because there are moments where she's like, oh, but I own them. So I guess I have to love them or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alice, but she is like, my kids are kind of like doughy and heavy and they don't do too much. And yeah. Like, I love yeah. the scene early on where her husband is like, your kid is sick. And she's like, he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And there's another. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead, Tristan. No, I was gonna say I definitely did feel like in that scene, like the husband was completely being like a dipshit. Like it's like, oh yeah, there's yeah, this is a parent who's like, uh, well, specifically, this is a dude who's like not actually doing anything, but it's like I think there's something wrong with the kid. It's like no, there's (laughs) not. Shut the fuck up. But anyway, yeah, she also sucks at at like doing what she sucks at like putting her kids to bed, for instance, because she's <laughs> she like, totally I'm does. gonna go in there and give them candy and excite them and tell, <laughs> yeah. them, tell them all about what happened. Like, well, because that's the thing. They're like the work, the labor of motherhood is like the nurses. It's like the quadruped nurses' yes, job, yes. right? Like, mm-hmm. so that that's why she could just. I mean, that yeah, like her relation to like a 20th century petty bourgeois version of motherhood is really like, she doesn't really, I mean, there doesn't seem to be much like, like labor involved in this. You know what I mean? It's the labor of appearances. I mean, and I wouldn't call it like, I wouldn't call it labor in the way that that's not really what I mean. It's like the, it's the, it's the performance. It's different than labor, but it's the making of, of appearances. Right. So it's like that is such a tangled little knot where like you need another woman to actually perform the labor of parenting right right but yeah you have to right. do you actually do, i guess it is a labor of a kind no this, no like, yeah, and, of and appearances. It, yeah no exactly and i don't I, you know I, i'm n- never want to like let the bourgeoisie off the hook but i mean it, it but that is like that yeah right i mean like the, the labor of appearances as you're calling it yeah that that is oppressive as shit like i mean who doesn't hate having to like enact some sort of sentiment or affect that you're like i just do not fucking care or feel this right now you know right and the enactment of sentiment is super important in terms of like women's literature about motherhood in a broader like in a in a much wider sense that's not just about like bourgeois white women right right. like that the awful labor of mothering in a sort of like as an appearance comes through in a lot of different places right it's just also that like if you think about the books like the bluest eye where a woman a woman has to do that that performative labor both of like her own children and also like a white woman's children that you get you know such an excess of like burdensome horrifying labor that you know that's a that's a completely accelerated version of that mm-hmm. uh okay so edna pontellier is married to leonce pontellier who is a businessman. He says he's a broker at some point. Um, and he's described as Creole, but not as we would imagine. That's important. It's not in a racial, he's not mixed race. It's important here. Um, they're from new Orleans. Well, he is, and she's actually from Tennessee anyway. 
Uh, as the book begins, they're vacationing on Grand Isle. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna struggle with the pronunciations here. So everybody, forgive me if I'm either too pretentious or too Americanized. Just, um, just, just do a really like offensively rendered Cajun accent. Oh, that's yeah. all, all around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, it usually does. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna be a problem at all. Uh, anyway, on the Gulf of Mexico. So Edna, it seems so. So in this little resort town on the Gulf of Mexico, Edna spends a lot of time. It seems voluntarily with this woman called Adele Ratignol, who constantly just has more babies and is like a fluffy kitten bunny lady (laughs) who is like delightfully plump and white who really wants edna to be a good nice mommy to her own little kids um but edna's kind of figuring out that being a married bourgeois mom is dumb and also she only likes her kids a little bit so she falls in love with this younger guy robert lebron who is like i i don't get it but of course you know she's married so they can't run off but when the pontelliers return to their home in new orleans edna comes even more to realize that being married is a fucking drag and basically starts to do whatever the hell she wants blowing off her receiving day and drawing all the time her husband is obviously not down with this because she's not keeping up appearances and asks the doctor friend if maybe edna is sick but the doctor tells him that she seems fine because she gets cuter. She gets prettier as she's like more liberated um, <laughs> <laughs> as we learn. But uh, her husband eventually goes to New York for business reasons and Edna prepares to move out of their house. She rents this tiny little house down the block. Um, and there she has this like little cuddle romance occasion with I'll say, Robin, who's this guy who's i think fucks everybody else too mm-hmm. like he seems to bang everybody yep. um eventually robert returns he had been in mexico he shows back up it's clear that they're still in love with each other he comes to dinner at her little cottagey thing and they make out for a while um but then he sends her a letter saying that they can't get involved because he wants to spare her the shame of an affair and so she freaks out returns to Grand Eel and kills herself by swimming out into the Gulf into what you guys have already pointed out is like extremely famous scene of her sort of like um, she takes off all of her clothes, like legit all of her clothes, not 19th century, all of her clothes. Right. And right. swims out into the Gulf. Mm-hmm. The end. Yeah. So like, the question of like, okay, so why is she into like Robert LeBron in the first place? Who I, it sucks. I mean, he just sucks. He totally like, sucks. Like uh, most, most of the people in this, in this novel suck really. For sure. But um, I mean, and that, like <clears throat> the best that I can sort of figure is that like, I mean, a main aspect of the attraction to him is that they're not married. Like whatever. Th- that he's that he there. Re- that he's there and that mm-hmm. he represents a kind of desire that is like, well, that is actual desire because it's not like this sort of socially produced, you should have desire for this person. And even right. that is like so kind of like like sublimated in this in like kind of late 19th century society that, yeah, that it's just it's because he's there and because he represents um the prescribed or the something something that is outside of what she is like allowed to like want uh or or expect when she talks about like how he's just the latest in this line of men that she's like felt really horndogging for and they're all people who who are like ridiculous yeah. yes yeah <laughs> i love 
yeah, yeah, I love her horniness because it's so like 19th century. It yes. is, yeah. and she's like she's like smooching the like this picture frame of some like guy who wrote a sad play. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, super yeah, yeah, into this guy yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. A, it's a he's a tragedian, I think is the word they say. <laughs> yes, say. yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Got to watch those tragedians. Uh, but no, but right, but like you know, so the fact that it is not that it's like yes, one, he's just he's one in this string, and also there's nothing really intrinsically about him that makes him the one. Like the, the, no. this isn't even a novel. That, this certainly is not a novel that believes in the one. Then that does that that does make her like that, that does make the suicide so. Um, so kind of uh, like strange because because it's precipitated by his or it looks as though it is precipitated by his like uh, rejection. But like that, if that is the case, that just makes it like so, I don't know, just like, uh, I I don't want to say unsatisfying of an ending, but you know what I mean? Like it just like, wait, wait, I don't like, I, I, I'm missing some sort of steps that led from this to that. You know what I mean? I think it is though. Like I do actually, so there's so much to talk about with her relationship with this guy, but it does feel like that's a huge part of why. And also that like, I had questions. I'd be interested to know what you two think about, um, why he does say that they can't be together because it seems like why it's partially right wait why why can't what why can't they be together i mean they they can't but it's not that they can't in some like it's not here's a- I, it's not i don't know it's like the stakes are weird again it's like that stakes mm-hmm. feel weird to me like she can she can't get a no-fault divorce, but she says that she has just enough money to live on. Right, right. But here's the weird – here's the thing. So Robert comes back and he's like, hey, um, I had all these fantasies of getting married to you and I thought that maybe your husband would say like that you could be free and I could have you. And she's like, Robert, you goofball. Um, I'm so I'm so evolved uh, that – my husband can't give me away anymore because right. right. I do whatever the fuck I feel like. And then it says like he got like pale for a second. Oh, right. you're right. Yeah. And then he doesn't want to like – and then he's kind of like stays because he's down to fuck, but he doesn't stay. And so I kind of like read it as actually what happened there is that like she ruined the fantasy for him and then – because it, it's like two people having a fantasy about each other. It's not really a lot about real life. Mm-hmm. And she like, she like really, that was a boner killer for him. And right. that like, that was it. Oh I mean, yeah, I agree with that. I just think like they're not having an affair does not feel like, I don't know, like an 18th century novel. Well, no, it, people have tons of affairs in 18th century novels. Um, but it's just, it's not like her husband's going to kill her or something. Right. No. He's defo not going to kill her. Right. Right. So then that is like that, that like that moment when the, like the fantasy collapses for, for Robert and, and maybe for both of them that it's like, so, right. So it's, it, it's, it's less to do with him as a specific person and more that just like, uh, that, that collapse, like signals something to her of the sort of like freedom that she wants can't actually exist in her kind of like class strata gender strata or something like you know like like it, it, it's the death of a specific fantasy but then becomes mm-hmm. more the death of this like kind of fantasy of liberation in some way right 
Yeah, because I think that she actually has like pretty conventional desires in a weird way too. Mm. They're mm. just different than his, right? No, I think I think that's definitely true. She does. Um, I think yeah. she's also just a different kind of like desiring subject in the sense that like uh even though i do think there's a lot of her in here somebody like emma bovary has this problem that it's like she can't be by herself right Mm -hmm. and so she she just gets she's like i can't do this thing and so um and edna is the opposite she's like everybody leave me the fuck alone right all the time she's like she's she gets mad when she when people come to visit her and her sociality is so weird. She, her her sociality is the worst. Like, there's so much of this that felt so contemporary. Because, okay, so she goes to <laughs> this piano playing friend that she has who, like, her best thing is that she plays the piano yeah. really right. great. But she's like, a, <laughs> she, she is a withered old married. guy. Yeah. Yes, and she gets to be not married. But basically, she goes um, to her house to, like, talk about how she's in love with Robert all the time. Yeah. Right. So like, she's just like your friend who like only texts when she wants to talk about like (laughs) the boy they like, Right. you know, like this is just like a, this is like a thing. This is like a, this is like a sitcom plot type deal. A little. Yeah. And the other woman, Mademoiselle Reese, who's the pianist is sort, she knows Robert. And so sometimes she gets a letter from him and she's like, and Edna of course is just like, does he, do you talk about me? Right, right, <laughs> right. Like, did you yeah. befriend him because she's friends with both of you, and you just want to like get like drips of gossip out of her? Yeah, sounds like a good plan to me, actually. Yeah, and it's it's a little like so that that character that you guys are talking about, Mademoiselle Reeds, um, she's like, yeah, like that that everyone, um. Well, she so yeah, like basically everyone thinks she's this like recluse weirdo, which she kind of is. But I mean, she's also it's like because she's like, yeah, like bougie society is fucking stupid. I just want to play the piano. Yeah. But so like, why does she like? Why does she like Edna? Why does she tolerate her just coming over to like text about like her? You know, her. She's, but I think I sense, yeah. I think it's because like the one thing that she recognizes in Edna and the one thing that Edna recognizes in her is that both of them are kind of like, yeah, this is du-. like this being like kind of society. The social structure is dumb and we're not going to do it like for edna it you know it's desire that's not like within a marriage and, and that she's not gonna you know she's gonna leave her husband's house for mademoiselle reeds it's more just like i'm just not i fuck you people i'm not going to your stupid parties if i do i'm gonna be an <laughs> asshole like you know like yeah yeah she's, she's a just, grump yeah. at dinner parties yeah yeah I mean, she's, she's I, like yeah She's, she's awesome. Funny, like, you know, like, no, I think she's great. I just she's not. Yeah. She's also like like in a in a sort of like taking up a step backward, like in a structural sense. She's also here as like a counterweight to Adele, right? Yeah. Um, who's like yes, they the, are like who's like the fluffy mom? She totally is. Yeah. Whereas, like the other lady is just. Like, I pictured ET. Oh, oh yeah, 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 she's withered. She's like, she's little. She's yeah. she's fucking ET. Yeah, except ET, like I, he's a weirdo, but he's not like I, I mean, Mademoiselle Reese is like a jerk. Like I mean, attention, which is great. I mean, it, it owns, yeah. but you know, um, yeah, like so as a counterweight to Adele, like I did, I, I did, I, I, I didn't really think the novel was suggesting much in terms of like queer desire between edna and manuel reads it, it more seems to be i mean there there is like some kind of like 
like homosociality there, but it's not like I, I there there were moments though when I was like, I kind of think Edna and Adele want to bang. I oh, thought totally, they were yeah. gonna. Like, I was really disappointed they didn't. Yeah, I was too. Um, like, uh, but yeah, but I don't know because like because like Adele is like. There are moments where she is like really kind of hyper eroticized, but it always seems to have to do with her like motherhood in a way that kind of like it like opens that avenue, but then takes it back out of that. Like, you know, I I don't know. I just I'm not quite sure what to do with or like how I want to think about like what that relationship is signifying. I mean, I think partly it's that like motherhood is not pinned to its usual signifiers in this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that no, that I think that's that's a really good point. So her um, being sort of like erotic is a maternal thing, right? Because she's just like a poofy vagina, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> like all of the things the vagina can do, like you know, like that's her. She's just like a poofy, yeah, pink object, and that's. So, like, maternity isn't just tied to one thing, right? It, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's right. So, so, it, yeah. So, like, that one thing that that, that the novel's doing it's, it's it's opening it. Yeah, it's opening up this this valence of like what motherhood signifies that isn't just about like this kind of like th- this very sort of like G rated domestic kind of like thing that that right. in a lot of nineteenth century literature is exactly what it was. You know, like, and it is what we know is that it's like extremely conventional and that's what Edna sort of hates while she hates a lot of it. She also just, her kids are annoying. Like that's Mm -hmm. just a fact. Um, But sexuality is like everywhere. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yeah. Adele, Adele also is like, she's like this, like, this like mom lady you know like the nice nice mom lady but she also like tells these stories that are like i almost blew my pussy out having these kids <laughs> yeah, totally <laughs> yeah yeah no she she does she absolutely yeah right that's that that the one of the things she's that like, like i know <laughs> she's like i love i hate love her so much yeah what, but but like yeah one of the things that shocks edna about adele is that she, like she talks about like pregnancy and childbirth in a way that's like like taboo apparently for like at but, a but, dinner table i think yeah though, which that yeah. i'm more understanding about why well, people are like what i don't and like spatially to the like yeah i like you talked about like how kind of just hot like physically hot like the place that, like yeah i mean yeah. new orleans is here in a big way so and and it is um it suggests a kind of like well, I think it's it's interesting that it suggests a kind of like liberatory potential and even kind of like a French sort of like libertinism yeah. that ultimately it's like, oh, but no, that's not actually what this is, right? So it's like, it's kind of like the setting offers this kind of like false possibility that like her suicide kind of shuts the door on maybe, you know, like. Yeah, I, I would like to, th- I think like we should think about the setting when we think about the ending oh we have Um, to yeah yeah because i think there's something there i also think like okay so so we so picture picture me never didn't didn't i'm totally i'm having the asleepening i know almost nothing about this book (laughs) except for like how it ends yeah okay and it's like we open the book and i'm like okay she's going for a swim with robert and then it's like Ooh. And like, and, and so I'm thinking like, oh, this husband, he is so dumb. They are fucking, <laughs> fucking, fucking, fucking. Robert is getting it in. And then it's like, no, he's not getting it in. Nope. They're just swimming. Like, yeah. that's it. It's the whole goddamn motherfucking thing. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not, um, 
sublimated fucking. You know, like you definitely no. read those books and you're like, I know that they're not, but they, the book, in, in the logic of the narrative, they are. And so it's fine. Right. But they're definitely oh, but no. not. Yeah. No. And, because, and, yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, no, that, they, 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 like, 19, I mean, 19th century swimwear particularly 19th century women swimwear yeah is so, i mean there, no. you can't look no at way. that and be like oh yeah some fucking t-. It, it's like even the potential <laughs> for like some kind of sublimation it's just die. yes it's like wool it's like three layers it's like you know like it's the only um, thing that gets me going guys yeah no it's like that's why it's so awesome in that last scene that she's like legitimately naked yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i mean i um, love that i think it's like I I I am now in Katie's mind, so everybody sort of slow themselves down. But like I so like just prepare yourselves for this. But I feel like these women to some degree are like the like a uh like a wine like a book club that's actually about drinking wine. Yes. And right. and they're like reading Fifty Shades or whatever the erotic thing is that they're reading, and that you can talk all day about having an affair or like fucking someone other than their husband, but it turns out all these women actually want to do is like fuck their husbands. Right. So they can make a baby. Right. Right. And even though like, I think Edna is just like, there are moments where she's just straight up like confused. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I do think, I do think like it's, it's interesting to kind of compare um, like how she relates to that to society to how she relates to another set of characters, which are like, we talked about earlier the, the the brown women in the novel oh um, yeah absolutely the one i'm thinking of in particular is um is uh she's described as spanish um i'm not i'm not really sure what that means whether it would be like mexican or, or latina or uh what exactly but she she's not she is the novel does not understand her as white no she's not she's not from spain in that sense um, and her name is, is Marikita, um, and she's kind of flirty with Robert, and she's also flirty with Robert's brother um, in Spanish, so Edna doesn't understand what she's saying. Um, but so she's this is in chapter 12. She's described, uh, uh, Robert knew the girl, and he talked to her uh, a little in the boat. No one present understood what they said. Her name was Marikita. She had a round, sly, piquant face and pretty black eyes. Her hands were small, and she kept them folded over the handle of her basket. Her feet were broad and coarse. She did not strive to hide them edna looked at her feet and noticed the sand and slime between her brown toes so that that, that in and of itself is kind of as a, a, a just a weird thing to, to fixate on mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. a little bit later um like basically um uh marie kate is asking uh robert like oh like basically, are you two banging and robert's like no no she's married right and like marie mm-hmm. kate just looks puzzled at him and she's like oh well francisco ran away with silvano's wife who had four children they took all his money and one of the children stole his boat so like for for her she's <laughs> like wait what are you talking the two married, pe- married people, people bang all the time yeah, yeah. like and then, but then it like it just shuts that down because it's like that uh, what she is expressing is not a thought that someone of like Edna's um, racial and social class could express. But like via Mariquita, like the novel does express that as a dist- as an actual like as a real possibility that like what what the fuck are you talking about? You know, so. Well, and that it then later, like once he returns from Mexico, you know, and he has this new uh is it a wallet what is the thing he has yes it's a it's a tobacco pouch that was given to him by by a woman and Ver- or a, a girl Veracruz. At, uh, in veracruz yes yeah and so there's all there's all this like weird um you know 
uh, hints of of his like fucking all these women in Mexico. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So she's like, are they all pretty? And he's like, they're like women anywhere. Like some of them are pretty and some of them aren't. But it's clear that there's the suggestion of sort of like the sexuality of of Latina. I mean, Mex- Mexican women. I think that probably also like indigenous women is implied there too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and so this is like an outlet for sexual thoughts that are more explicit, even though, of course, like we know that like sexuality is in some ways sort of explicit at the dinner table. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, the whole the, – okay, so the whole Mexico trip too is just like – so th- that is bizarre for several reasons. One of them being like – so it's an occasion for a long digression about like so the mo- so that everyone can just be like – racist about mexicans yeah. like that that's yeah. like yeah, literally sure. yeah. like what happens yeah and the mom tells some story she's like well you know you never you never do know about mexicans i once knew one guy who <laughs> sold tamales and then he seemed nice but he stabbed his wife <laughs> right yeah. yeah yeah um so that's like one part of it is like the like so this like it's like very like again like not just racial but racist oh yes. and then and then we get like this other weird thing which is like Robert decides one day that he's going to go to Mexico and everyone's like, what the fuck, Robert? And he's like, you guys know that I have always wanted to go to Mexico. I've been talking about going to Mexico for like so long. Yeah. I'm like, uh, how could you even ask me why I'm going to Mexico? Because like, this is like a thing I've always wanted to do. Right. It's like, exa- like this scenario, how many times is this fucking played out? Like, oh, your friend met someone nice online uh, uh, and like, yeah, yeah. thought it was going somewhere. And then turns out he's moving to Mexico indefinitely. Yep. Uh, <sighs> well, and it's another one of those, like, I do sort of enjoy how uh, Flip Kate Chopin is about like I don't know for like business reasons. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No. She. Yeah. Right. Like. Well. All. The, like. All of the. Like. All of the quote unquote businessmen of this novel. It's very uh, other than um. I guess Adele's husband, who's like a, a a pharmacist. Like it's like what the fuck do you do? Like her. Yeah. Her husband. Business her, 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 stuff. When 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 Leonce goes to New York, he's like, I made money on speculating. Like, oh, right, cool, <laughs> yeah. cool. Like, uh, good, good for you, <laughs> oh. man. <laughs> He also tells the doctor, he's like, I want to be there to pull the levers and cut the strings. And the doctor's like, what are you doing? Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it's metaphors. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. And, and also that like Edna's able to make some money, right? We should go into the horse track, which like coming, yeah. coming from lower Delaware, much respect. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you can actually make a good amount of money doing it too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But no, but it's, but it's like, oh, like, yeah, you, yeah, like you, 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 you invest so much. Oh, I'm a professional. Fuck you. I've got to go. I've got to go play the ponies, man. You know, but. <laughs> anyway she is like yeah well like that's why everyone thinks she's hot because she like it is like a horse girl but like she doesn't flirt and like right. she knows how to bet and like yeah cool, yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah but there is it is like a weird opportunity for this like racist digression yes yeah there's yeah but it's just, the whole thing is the whole thing is weird because it's like it's like this gender thing and this race thing it's like stacked on top of it it's just like yeah. everyone everyone's doing everyone's being the worst and, they can be yeah right and, and i do like i do think that like the novels kind of like racial politics are are 
probably not great to begin with, but like are also a little bit indeterminate. But I did think that like that let that like absurd like racist aggression about Mexicans, like you, the reader, is supposed to be like, what you people are fucking morons, you know? You're like, like, yes. like yeah, I did I did think that that was like that I was kind of like, yeah, these people are kind of have dumb thoughts about this, you know? But, and it's not characterized with any detail, but it's also like clear that these people don't know anything about like. The enormous country with the enormous diversity that is Mexico. You know what I'm saying? No, like, right. That, that, yeah, that, yeah, that's what it, I think the novel's actually like telegraphing their sort of like ignorance and like just like, but speaking like so authoritatively from a place of ignorance. Um, right. But yeah. but yeah, but but then like what the you know like that that like the, the the sort of like freedom from these mores that she that she just like kind of effortlessly sort of inhabits in a way that Edna can't like really throughout the novel can't like, I, I like, I, I don't know it. Like, I mean, Edna, I think is very anxious about that. Like she's not sort of cool with Mary Keita being there. Um, but I also wonder if the novel also is kind of anxious about like the sexuality of Brown women. And I'm, I don't, I really don't know. I'm not sure where I think that the book rather than like the protagonist winds up with the, on that almost nowhere yeah right. like well again i think for me it's partly this like that those raced and classed questions get entangled with like mothering and sexuality in ways that those categories are actually like not conveniently separated in this book right so like motherhood right, yeah. and sexuality are not like conveniently sorted right so that you know, someone else does the mothering for Edna. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like clear here, but it's not treated really as a problem either. No. Well, the thing is like, so Adele, like d- she, she performs big time. Yeah. Like her, her momness. Um, Cause she's like, she's like, tells everyone like the doctor says I shouldn't be lifting even a pin. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. And she like, but she like picks her fucking kid up or whatever. Um, So like, she does a lot of like, it wouldn't be like a problem. She she had like, she's got like, she's got like a nanny, but she also is not. Um, like she also does the mom thing. Mm -hmm. The other thing is like, Edna just like doesn't fucking feel like it, or she just does it when she when it when she gets the whim to do it. Right, she feels like she wants to like hug her kids or whatever. Right, and she has all these weird moments where she wants to like, um. She's again, it's like the sense that she's like itchy or something, right? Like she's always trying to do something else, but she wants to be left alone, but she doesn't know what she wants. And then she's right. like, I want to fuck this guy, but I definitely <laughs> right. don't. And right. and so she's yeah. like, there's a scene sort of near the end where she's like hanging out with one of her servants because they have to, she has to like scrub something. Mm-hmm. And it's not that the novel thinks yeah. that's a problem, that this like bourgeois woman, like, I just don't think it characterizes that as a problem. But I think it understands that she's just like weird. She's a weird person. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm curious about. Okay, so like we have the author, we have the, the we have the main <laughs> character, we have the novel itself, right? right? Okay, so like, there's this thing that Edna does, which is like, very fucked up and annoying which is that she's drawing, she's doing all of her drawings and she's like making the servants sit for the drawings. Yeah. When presumably they have like other fucking work Shit to, to do. do. Yeah. 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 So like, it's just like, it's entirely like the problem with the social in this, um, in this novel is that like Edna can't do it. Like period. End of story with anyone. Like she cannot. Po- there's no fucking chance. Right. That she can. 
Um, it even says like it, it, she's even described like she looked with a self interested look on her face. She looked oh, yeah, selfishly yeah. as yeah, if yeah. you were looking inward, yeah. looking nowhere but at herself. Right. You yeah. know, like, it's just like yeah. okay, I get it. I mean, it's a weird like um it's a it's a it reminds me in this weird way of the Manet painting about of Olymp Olymp, uh which is like the white woman with the with the black woman looking over at her but it's also that she's like naked and it's a you know it's like characterized that we think of her as a sex worker so it's like um her sexuality is sort of like supervised or something i don't know where i'm going with this edna's i mean super or, or the painting lady that i don't know i'm trying to think is edna's sexuality like held in check Edna's sexuality is like she it, it's so I mean I think this is intentional but it's so juvenile. It's like th- this yeah. entire thing is like she th- it's the It's about being crushed out on people. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also like this is the big awakening, right? A, I'm horny. B, I realize that I can be slightly more of a bitch to people than I originally thought and <laughs> yes. kind of like get away with yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> like this is pretty yeah. much it. I mean, yeah. but also like I could do what I want. Like that I have desires that can be externalized. And I think that that's like more interesting than just having feelings. Okay. But here's the other thing, right? Like I don't even know that I would go so far as to say these are desires because half the time she's just like, I am doing something because someone else doesn't want me to. Like she's like, I'm gonna sleep outside all uncomfortably all night because my husband wants me to come inside. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and she's like, I knew that I wanted to see Piano Lady more because I because there were these obstacles in my path all of a sudden. And yeah. she wants Robert because he's in Mexico. Like, it's just like. Yeah. But this you, is you what like I mean the- by like a generalized or atmospheric desire. And that's what I find more interesting mm-hmm. about it is because it's like that's what feels like bourgeois, like the response to bourgeois mores to me is like mm-hmm. because they don't make any fucking sense. Right. Right. And they're just yeah. general and stupid and they want you to do shit like keep up appearances so it's like well and i just want to not do <laughs> yeah yeah exactly right exactly and, and i guess like right even her moving into the tidy house like that fits in that right like why like why like why yeah like much much like how she yeah like that that scene that you guys were talking about where they come back from the water and she's just like i'm gonna sleep on this hammock with all the mosquitoes everywhere because fuck you leon yes, like exactly. you want me to come into the house well i'm not going to i'm not to. doing it like, like uh yeah. but but that that also like wait why there's no you can draw your your you can do your drawings and, and fuck whoever you want in this big house that's a block up the street. Right. But yeah. no, I want the tiny house. But it is that. It's because like, because fuck it. Like, why do I have to live in this house? Because like, that's what bourgeois more say. Well, fuck those. I'm going to live in a tiny house, you know? Yep. Um, well, the thing that's crazy is also she's like, I don't even care what my dumb husband thinks. Yeah. I wonder what he's going to think when he gets the bill for this huge yeah. dinner <laughs> yeah. on his credit card. No, totally. Yeah. yeah. But I, lo- I love that. I love that it's like the thing fits too tight, so she's got to oh, rip it. Man. It doesn't matter yeah. how yeah. or if it makes yeah. any sense that she's naked underneath. So it's just that it fits too yeah. tight. And that's like why I think I find this book so compelling is that that response to that is not logical. Yeah. It's it, like I did. I liked I enjoyed reading this book like I, yeah. I really did. 
So let's talk about that last scene because it's so famous and it's lovely. If you like that sort of thing. Like a, the suicide sort of thing or the swimmy sort of thing? Uh, well, the swimming I – was, I was thinking about the swimming thing because like, that's a whole thing throughout the book too. It is. I do. I think maybe – are you feeling reactive about that? Is this how like how I like no. fishies? No, no, actually not. Um, I did. I, I like. I did like uh, the swimmy thing. Um, I just. I find it like absorptive or something. Yeah. So, are you saying that you like? So, like the. Yeah, because because I think there's like a bajillion different things to think about in this scene, and like the because so like yeah. So, if you're into the atmospheres of this, totally like this is like this is like peak. Like this yeah. is like good as yeah, hell. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I also think that like suicides by water are very womby, and that that's like a, 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 like it doesn't. This doesn't actually provide closure for me, but it provides an interesting thought about like returning to the scene of the some womanly thing. Yeah. One thing. One thing to be like totally clear about. I think before we talk about this is this is not a su- like this is not a suicide. This is like a you know this is like not this isn't real this is like whatever for whatever for whatever we're doing here like we're not actually talking about we're not actually talking about someone killing themselves we're talking about somebody having like a thrice removed fantasy of it Mm. and so like Mm. i think there's a huge difference between that kind of like fantasy and um like thinking about actually killing yourself Mm -hmm. like what that means like like the significance or meaning of that like that whole mess of stuff. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely like that. It's like, yeah, you're, well, you're, you're just like, because like, part of it too, like doesn't necessarily even um, evoke the concept of like really ending your life. If that makes sense. I mean, this is going to get it like kind of the return to the womb and then return into kind of like mm-hmm. whatever is before that, which is kind of, is like kind of nothingness that, that you're just going to kind of like lose yourself in the ocean, which is like, a it, I mean, it, you know, like, yeah, like, I mean, in, in like, if we imagine a real person in the world doing this, that does mean that like, yeah, your, your life ends, but like, it just doesn't kind of like conceptually and narratively, it doesn't look like that. If that makes sense. Yes. Yes. And I, yes. So I, I like, I like both of these things. I like the thinking about that. And I also like thinking about the womb thing too. I mean, that's, um, I think partly cause like I, it's, it's weird. I mean, it also like, she has this series of reflections that are so weird where she's like, um, she's swimming out. She's thinking about being a little kid she says she thought of Leonce and the children. They were a part of her life, but they need not have thought that they could possess her body and soul. How Mademoiselle Reese would have laughed, perhaps near it if she knew. And you call yourself an artist. What pretensions, madam? The artist must possess the courageous soul that dares and defies. So it's like, um, that's just a weird, she does this all, uh, in this last scene, she does all this like William Jamesy parataxis, where she's like, "Oh, that's, she's just associating." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's doing this weird like suicidal free associating. Yeah, and that's part well, of the that, fantasy yeah. thing, I think, Katie, that you're talking about, right? Is the like you're just like she's just we're watching her mind just well, swim it, out. Yes, yes, 
totally. That's absolutely like, yeah, it really is evocative in that yes. way. Yeah. Of like exactly that. The other thing, so there's like two, there's like always two separate things for whatever reason. But the other thing is that because she says that thing, the the part that you just said, um, but they need not have thought that they could possess her, right? right? Like it's it's sort of a little bit of the like they'll be sorry when oh totally um, yeah when I'm yeah. Gone, yeah you know yeah and Robert will be sorry too but it's not really thought out that yeah much or that far um it's it's incidental but it's also like essential yeah yeah, yeah. it's that like free associ- it's that associative brain I think that's like part of why I like it so much is that it all feels like um watery or something like that that's like mm-hmm. atmospheric voca- it's like atmospheric narrative or something yeah yeah right and also i mean to you know to to insist like fair which i mean obviously we all recognize but to insist very strongly on like okay like the novelistic character is a word object right, right, is, right, like, right, right. is what this is that it's like She's kind of like the ideas that she sort of represents are the potential avenues for like all you know, like alterity, a different kind of like just kind of like disappear into the la- the other language in those last paragraphs, right? It's like yeah, yeah, I agree that they sort of unspool a little bit. Yeah. So even if it's like, oh, we know she's never going to be an artist because that's like a ludicrous proposition. Like I just, yeah. I think. Yeah. But I no, I do love that last bit. But you're so right, Katie, that it's like we like putting it down to how do you represent a suicide is is part of the question there. I think because it's like it's spending this time in her head and doing this free and direct thing, but it's also like um, you don't see it for real. It's not like we get some vision of her choking, right? Right, and it's also like. You never get her. She's never really here. Like it is, it's all dreamy. Like it, so she's never really like actually. She's awakening. She's not yeah. awake, right? And so right. like we're not having this like person. Um, she like never is quite a person. Right. Yeah, really. that's right. I mean, I think like it's just it, but it's funny to me that like no one else in this novel is a, is like a well rendered person either. <laughs> you know, it's like it doesn't have yeah, any yeah, yeah. anybody yeah. that you kind of go like proxy no. about. Right. No, yeah, because it that that is like the whole that that is why it is like it's like a weird dream. It's like a it's like a weird dream you have if you're like if you've eaten too much cotton candy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's why I love that this turns out to be the sort of feminist classic because she's so like um, oddly underdeveloped, but also mm-hmm. like for mm-hmm. me again, it's like it totally makes sense to be a feminist classic because that that bourgeois femininity and being a bad mom is just like confining and so yeah. your response to it is illogical right is interesting right. right yeah yeah i did think like society isn't um it's not killing her it's not maiming her it's annoying yes. her yes. <laughs> yeah. you know? so katie do you have a, f- a wrap-up question for us i do so here's here's my questions okay so the first thing that I want to ask you about is the piano song. Okay. Um, so- solitude. Mm-hmm. Edna names it Solitude um, that that E.T. plays. Mm-hmm. And um, okay, so Edna is listening to the piano and she's crying so that like everyone can see her crying. And it says um, she heard 
she heard it, uh, and there came before her imagination the figure of a man standing beside a desolate rock on the seashore. He was naked. His attitude was one of hopeless resignation as he looked toward a distant bird winging its flight away from her. Okay. Okay. So would you please use your imaginations to construct a narrative about why this man is nude? (laughs) I I got I got I got I got it. I got it. (laughs) And it why is he naked? It's because I am such an obsessive reader of Robinson Crusoe. Um, <laughs> and if you recall, so I actually have a couple of possibilities. One is that Crusoe's island was infested with rabid goats who attacked him oh, and ate his clothes. Of course. The other even, I mean, I think substantially darker possibility is that, okay, he's not Robinson Crusoe in that he has like all this shit with him. He's like more like what a castaway would actually be, which like he's he's eating like turtle eggs and that's it for years. And so his brain is melted because of vitamin deficiencies. Sure. So he he wants to make love with one of the goats, but the goat fights him off and <laughs> eats his clothes. So I don't know. But one of those two, it, it, it was a goat related mishap. That led to him being naked. I think he wanted to make love. Go. <laughs> um, I think that Kate Chopin is just is just making imagery for for those like me who like boy butts. Oh. Yeah. I think this is yeah. just a little a little gifty. Mm-hmm. For like, wouldn't you think of a butt? Wouldn't you, if you were hearing this song, picture a desolate man in hopeless resignation with a bare butt? (laughs) (laughs) Would you be like, but we got to throw in a naked ass into your reverie? I have definitely dialed for gratuitous nudity, but I just generally like kind of weepy piano music does it. Typically to be like, so now I'm thinking about butts. You know? <laughs> I'm just thinking Kate Chopin's like and interrupting yeah. your content for a butt. Oh, uh, I get it. So it's just like, yeah, isn't this a cool piano so but you know what would be even cooler is there's a butt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, it's hey, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. I'm down. Okay. I've interrupted Very different your memory an- for a butt. Very different answers, but I, I think that I think that both of us are, you know, some good explanations. I think we all there. know where I would come down on this question. Yeah, the 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 butt, the butt lord, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> the butt lord. That's you. <laughs> <laughs> I I so are you ready for your second sure. question? Oh yeah. Not throbbing with desire. <laughs> are you not safe for work? Um. Okay, so here's a question, and it's a it's like a real ass question. Um. So you know the scene uh, where. Edna and Robert are first, like, she's she's get, she gets into the hammock. She hoists herself into the hammock, and it says that he felt the first throbbings of desire for her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And um, who is throbbing with what now? Getting into a hammock? <laughs> Getting into a hammock is not sexy. No, it's the opposite. <laughs> It is the opposite. There is also bird shit on hammocks. Yes. 100% of <laughs> yeah. the time. There are, no true. hammocks are mostly whole. There absolutely is. Yeah. Also, also yeah, in this case. Yeah. 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 
So I have have two questions. I mean, this is not – you can answer this in one of two ways. One, I genuinely want to know why is there always bird shit on hammocks. Mm. If you can answer this for me, I'd love to know. Also, like, can you think of anything in this novel or just in life less sexy than getting into a hammock? (laughs) I'm just trying to. I think the I'm try, I'm fi- trying to figure out like, um, what's so unsexy about a hammock? And there's so many. It's like that parts of your body fall through the little holes, right? Yes. So like, you try yes. and put your hands down yeah. as you would if you're no. getting into anything mm-hmm. else, and it's just like pfft, fingers Look, everywhere. The, yes, exactly. Uh, it, it it contorts your body into decidedly not sexy positions. Right. Also, the mechanics of like fucking in a hammock not going to work. Never. It's not just ever not going to fucking work. Also, like fucking outside. Yeah, I know. Ooh, it sounds like so sexy and hot to be outside when mosquitoes are all over your fucking body <laughs> also, it's like and bur- a thousand no, it's like, degrees. Yes, it's a th- yes, exactly. So no. nobody needs like sand in nobody their ass crack. No, no, no. Oh no. Um, as to why there's birch shit all over it, it's because birds are terrible. That's right because they're horrible. <laughs> because I think that the the talking parrot in this book particularly flew by just to shit on yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think he I think he may have. Fun fact, I um the sexiest thing that I've ever done, thank you for asking. Um <laughs> in a hammock. Participated in the in, in not in a hammock, even better. Um I participated in the 2005 World Series of Birding. Thank Holy you very much. Holy shit. Oh. Nice. Uh is that on I'm your sorry. do we do we have an audience here of like a sufficient number of men that we can like line up now that they know that? <laughs> uh, like it's like ringing the chow bell you know they could uh, i can't think of, i'm really trying to think of anything that's like less sexy than getting into a hammock there's no i don't care who the fuck you are i don't care like i don't care like how fucking like rock like rock hard jacked no. your body no. is getting <laughs> no. into a fucking like like brad pitt in his prime i gross anyway but like in his fucking prime like getting into a hammock like brad pitt is no. like steroided up as he was for like troy oh sure like, <laughs> he's gonna look like a fucking doofus getting into a goddamn hammock you know you gotta get some like hot hgh dude in there and just be like how are you gonna yeah. get into this hammock motherfucker no totally everybody every like everyone in a hammock everyone i don't care who you are looks like fucking homer simpson <laughs> <laughs> And again, like bits of your flesh, like poked yeah. through the little yeah. holes for mosquitoes to <laughs> land on and eat. Yeah, and then you have yeah. the joy yeah. of getting out of it, and you're like, "Cool, now I have these like print all yeah. over my yeah. body." Yeah, yeah. It's like screaming. It's upside down. It's upside <laughs> yeah. down. So, There's no yeah. way either if you have long hair that it's not like parts of it aren't falling through and like yeah. hanging on the ground. Yep. This is a goddamn no. mess. Yep. Covered in duty. And yet I'm thinking because Tristan taught me such things of the six hundred men each sleeping in one next to another man. <laughs> yeah. Well that's enough. Yeah, we don't even need to each go. Other. Yeah, I I'm I'm uh, yes, yet another layer of why like uh a, a ship despite all of the fucking happening on it, it's not really that erotic of a space. <laughs> no, it's a very hammocky space. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, it's just close. It's just close. Yeah. Stinky. It's um, a stinky place. Yeah. Stinky AF. Um. So f- final question for you two. So here, here's what I think. Um, 
while this novel is obviously a novella is from ye olden times, <laughs> all of the problems, all the problems in it are age 28 years old. Fully 100%. Like Robert going, you know, like Robert going to Mexico is like a peak, like 28 year old problem yes. mm-hmm. to do business. Um, and I you think know, that like business, mm-hmm. business, spelled with a Z, business. Um, and so like, that's very like, I'm 28, but I haven't gotten like, um, you know, like I haven't gotten my MBA yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to fuck around yeah. a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like a 28 year old problem. And I think we can all get some, get some wisdom and learning and life lessons from that. Um, so, uh, would you two tell me about like a 28 year old problem, um, that you had, or like some bit of some like nugget of 28 year old wisdom oh, that you can share Christ. to, to. Yeah, I actually feel like 27 was that year for me instead, mm-hmm. which is when I decided to like, this is 100% true, that I I was working at, at retail uh, as a bookkeeper, which is a job I liked, but it was not going to be nice forever. And so I was like, fuck this, either I'm going to get a PhD or I'm going to get a CPA and be a forensic accountant. oh yeah identical 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 things yeah uh i was like pursue white collar criminals obviously i would not do now what is essentially being a cop because that's like fucking fuck that but it doesn't matter because i got into a doctorate which now i'm just like wow i feel like that was actually my dream at that time which is depressing yeah yeah have been keeping us safe from wire fraud yeah i could (laughs) well i could have been do it trying to do that and failing yeah Yeah. no you know my actually yeah my uh would be would be similar in that i feel like mid-20s was the era like post-college and it was before i i uh, got you know got into a phd program where i was i was working as a reporter at the time and just a realization like midway through it like oh fuck this is this is it (laughs) This is what I'm going to be doing for decades. And it's extremely boring and awful. I remember the first time I said like a, a mass meeting where it was like, you know, an HR presentation and just looking around at these people and like, wait, you don't you don't have expressions on your face like you're just crushed by having to be here, which leads me to be that you're so crushed that like that that instinct to be crushed has been crushed out of you. I know what I would do. I'm going to go get a PhD because <laughs> that that's going to make my life it's better. Be a lot better. Uh, but you know what? In your thirties, you realize it's all just shit. You make do; it's fine. That's true. You know? I will say that thirties. That at least, I mean, like for all that my thirties have been also a total fucking mess. You, I am much more like, oh wait, remember when I had a dream and it had something to do with a job, and that was stupid. Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. Because jobs are stupid. Yes, exactly. That's Amen. why they're jobs. Yes. Anyway. So at least like <laughs> yeah. that dream is dead in a way that like, you know. It left in a floaty, watery cloud of free association. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. Lovely. Well, thank you for teaching me things. Thank you. About life, about naked guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's, that's one of my favorite things to talk about ever. Thank you for those scintillating questions as ever. So, um, yeah, this has been Better Than Dead. You can find Tristan on Twitter at TJ Schweiger. You can find Katie on Twitter at Katie Crywo. You can find me on Twitter at Tusslersaurus. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Better Red Pod, R-E-A-D, and email us at betterredpodcast at gmail.com. But only if you want to guess why 
or which writer mentioned today shares a name with my other French bulldog. You didn't know that one was coming, <laughs> did you? Um, I have two, uh, but only one of them is nice. And that's not well anyway okay our theme uh, <laughs> our intro music is left bronstein by the redskins and used with their permission our logo was created by jane bonsack of jb design and content we are on all of your platforms so please rate review and subscribe thank you um coming up in the next few weeks we'll be talking about gulliver's travels the fall of the house of usher heart of darkness little women we got other cool stuff uh, in a few weeks, we'll talk about Ulysses because that's what the fans want. And by fans, I mean my dad. Um, so, yeah, thanks. <laughs>